Hello everyone, I am Chris, I'm the pastor of Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of this podcast. Uh, this week as our guest we have Tom Blair who is, aside from being a, a longtime friend of mine, is also the host of several other podcasts uh, including Fallout, uh, the Fallout Lorecast, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, uh, Cyberpunk Lorecast. If you are a fan of a nerdy IP, he probably has a Lorecast about it. So I encourage you to check him out. Also, he is the founder of RobotsRadio.net, uh, a podcast network. So I, I encourage you to check him out. Uh, there's probably something you will like on his website. And uh, aside from that, Please like, comment, subscribe on this podcast. It helps us. And uh, check out anything that we are doing at Kindred UMC at kindredumc.com. And also, uh, please check out our live show on YouTube every Sunday night at 6-ish. Uh, so uh, let's go. Hey, I've, already, I want, <laughs> I've, I've only got like five regular podcasts I do, so why not just throw another one on the pile? It's very nice to have an expert... It's very nice. And like, also, I should say that when we were talking about starting a podcast, you were you were the first person I was like, <laughs> I, we should have to talk to Tom. And then you and I sat for like literally an hour over discord and just like you told me everything that you had learned so far. And so I greatly appreciate yep. all the help you've given. Yep. And I will be sending you an invoice for five hundred dollars. All right. Well, <laughs> as, I'll tell you what. When we get to like get a regular five hundred dollar <laughs> income on our podcast, I'll be happy to pay you for that. No, I, I will feel. I'll be like, oh man, he actually paid me five hundred bucks. I'll feel really guilty at that point. I'll be like, oh, it was just a joke. Yeah, well, you got a pretty serious head start on this, so you know, five hundred dollars will become less valuable to you before it does to us. <laughs> um, so thank you and welcome, and glad to have you. And this is our first like virtual podcast that we're streaming over discord we're not streaming but recording over discord um and uh and have you had the opportunity to take the enneagram test yes he asked knowingly i did every time yeah i i know you did because you i already know what you are (laughs) (laughs) so uh so here's the way we normally do things is uh, so I'll, in a minute, I'll ask you what your type is, what, what your results were. And then Courtney's going to like describe kind of what the, cause she's our actual Enneagram expert. She's right. the one who actually understands it. Right. Um, I always thought it was like Christian horoscope and didn't make any sense of it at all until I met Courtney. <laughs> Christian like, horoscope. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's, it, it, it's so complicated at times that it makes no sense to me. It's like anybody can be everything. Um, but Courtney actually made sense of it for me in a pretty significant way. So she's our resident expert. So she'll kind of describe what your type is for the listeners. And then we'll ask you basically like, what do you identify with in her description and what do you balk at? Mm -hmm. Do you think it fits or do you think it doesn't fit? You know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so, so are you ready to reveal? My body is ready. Okay, good. What is your Enneagram result? Uh, I'm a one wing nine, right? That's what I got. Yes. That is what I you have got. in front of me. I'm just and remembering. And a, a sexual subtype. And I'm sexy. Sexual. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say that when, as soon as I saw it, and I don't even know that much about Enneagram, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say all this stuff as a statement. It's not meant as a statement. It's meant as a question. So just listen for things that you might identify with, disagree with, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel free to interrupt me. Whatever. I'm just gonna kind of start talking. Stop. Stop talking right now. Like okay, that. Well, no. But you did a real good job of interrupting there. I, yeah. uh, that was a practice. Oh, that was good. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll call it. We'll chalk that one up for practice. Okay. So Stop again. Time- Wait. That was. That, that, how, that, how was that one? Was that Both one of you good? did great. You okay. interrupted real good, it and was. she stopped real good. Thanks. Wow. All right. Go on. Beautiful. Go on. So, type one core motivation of a type one is to be good. They are known as the moral perfectionists. They want to do the most good that they can. Um, which means that they will strive to reform not only themselves, but also those around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, they, I'm basically Jesus, right? Basically. Kind of like, I mean, basically, basically I'm, I'm Jesus. Sure. I mean, <laughs> nobody's Jesus, but Jesus, but I'm pretty close. Yeah. So, um, okay. Sorry. I'm like. I got it. By the way, by the way, we we haven't spoken. Chris knows me very well. Right. (laughs) You and I have not spoken, uh, but maybe what what, once, maybe. Maybe Um, once. Yeah. I'm I'm joking. It should be noted that literally Tom and I have known each other since, since I was in middle school and he was in high school. Yeah. 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 That makes sense to me. And Courtney um, has known Tom. Right. Since that one time she met him at my house for a New Year's party or something. And then barely (laughs) talked the entire time. Anyway, so uh, type ones, they want to do the most good they can. They tend to be moral perfectionists, which means they not only hold themselves to to high expectations, but they tend to hold others to pretty high expectations and can struggle when others don't necessarily meet those expectations for whatever the good that they set is. Um, so you have a very high value of morals and integrity. Um, you're the kind of person that's going to fight for justice, um, really care about doing the most right thing. Um, Captain nine, America, too. I'm thinking Captain yeah, America. Yeah, I'll give you a Captain America, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, no, I that's what the ladies say when I meet them. They're like, wow, <laughs> your, your arms are like Captain America. And I'm like, you're flattering me because they definitely aren't. <laughs> I would describe you less Captain America and closer to Tony Stark. Yeah. Oh, yes. Not just for the facial hair. You you kind of look like Tony Stark. So the other thing to know about type ones is they're the only type on the Enneagram that has what's called an internal critic, which means that there's a voice in the back of your head that's constantly pushing you to do better, be better, be the best that you can. Um, other types don't tend to have that and most ones don't recognize that they're the only type that has that. So you're saying that I'm the only type that actually has a moral conscience. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so any it. Wing, it. <laughs> you can either be a wing nine or a wing two because you're going to be the wing of the number that's next to you. Um, you happen to be a wing nine, which means that you want to be good with a touch of wanting to be at peace. Um, nines are peacekeepers. It's just a way to mm-hmm. kind of flavor the Enneagram. So your motivation is in type one, wanting to be the most good, but you get some personality traits from that type nine, which means you can be more calm, removed, introverted, objective, or detached. Um, it means that you want to do good, but you don't necessarily want to start shit for no reason. You know what I mean? Like Because that wouldn't be maximum good. 
Sure. Yeah, that's wow. You sound a lot like my brother when you said that. Um, other because things that, were, that would be illogical. No, my brother is a type eight, but we'll get to that. Okay. Um, so the other thing to be noted is your subtype. We talked earlier about how your sexual subtype. So mm-hmm. um, what subtypes are for those of you who don't know, they are just relationships in life around you. So you have social, sexual or self-preservation. Um, basically, they all stack. But what this means is that in your life, you prioritize your intimate relationships above your social relationships or your relationship with yourself and your health and your body and stuff like that. So these can... something I've never really asked you about this, mm-hmm. but like, not you, Tom, but you, Courtney. Yeah. I've never asked you, Tom, either about this either. <laughs> sure. Um, but so the sec, the the sexual, social, and like, it, so like maybe a way to think of that is like, it, it's almost like expanding spheres of influence. It's yes. like. Self-preservation is most important. Like I take care of myself and maintain my own boundaries. My partner, like yep. whoever, whoever might like my spouse or my, you know, whatever kind of person fits that niche or and not to be exclusionary to our polyamorous crowd or anything like that. But like, you know, the people who you're most intimate with, like family, maybe does that mm-hmm. like, so the question I'm asking is, does that expand? Is it like, partner or is it like family when you say like intimate Um, sexual so i like to describe it as your most intimate relationship so your family your closest friends it can be platonic or romantic um social is more along the lines of like your network i'm a social subtype so for me it's just anyone i come in contact with especially people that i'm trying to bring into my network that's what i prioritize the most if you're an intimate subtype, it's going to be those closest relationships to you. So maybe like your partner or your members of your family or your closest, closest friends. When um, when I was reading up on this, and I'm, I'm sure you're more of an expert than I am, um, it was talking about uh, more of a one-on-one relationship thing rather than relation to the group right. or relation exactly. to yourself. Your so, mic is so much better than ours. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so in my understanding of myself, like if I go to a party, I'm less interested in getting everyone's attention at the whole party and meeting everyone there. And I'm more interested in having one or two or three good conversations with individual people. Exactly. So that right. would be the intimate subtype, whereas right. I would so be it, the opposite. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's somebody I already have a deep relation, meaningful relationship with. It's right. that I'm seeking an individual one-on-one relationship rather than a relationship to the group. Yes. Yep, exactly. But because subtypes exist, we have what's called countertypes, um, which means that you might have the motivation of one number, but act like another number. And mm-hmm. this is really interesting because a sexual... This is like, to me, this is the key to understanding Enneagram too. Yeah. The difference between like what motivates you and then what like personality traits you take on. Yeah. Because almost so, every other thing is about personality traits. Um, and this is really about measuring like, you know, what like really drives your decisions, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So a sexual one is actually a counter type one, um, which means you can take on the personality aspects of a type four, which is the individualist or a type That's eight, me. which is the challenger. Um, Those are the people I don't get along with. A hmm. couple of, of things to note about counter type ones. 
Um, you use your energy to reform society and others around you more so than yourself, potentially. Um, you have a strong connection to the people that you do have those deep one-on-one relationships with. Um, also, you might have a tendency to hold others to higher expectations, but by that same coin, really struggle when they don't meet those expectations that you set. Um, you also can be more impulsive, expressive of anger, and zealous about what is right or good. Okay. So what do you, do you identify with that? Do you, do you, are there things in there that you're like, that really doesn't sound like me? Um, yeah, uh, the counter type stuff is, is less so. Um, and all of this stuff <laughs> has to, ha- for me, it all comes down to the context that these things are in. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so holding other people to standards, to high standards, and then being disappointed is, uh, it's a double-edged sword because I both ex, I both want them to meet high expectations, but at the same time, completely don't expect it because humans are garbage. (laughs) Let's let's just be honest, and 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 I've given this some thought. I've given this some thought, like. People in general are irrational, uh, emotional creatures that sometimes actually make rational decisions. Um, and because of that, we, I can't hold other people to the standards that I would want to hold them to. And, and Chris and I have had, had lots of conversations about this. Like, why wow. do you do the thing that you do? Well, it's not a rational thing. So why don't you stop doing that? Well, I have a hard time stopping doing that because we're emotional creatures, right? So I completely understand the reasons why we are limited and we can't uphold these specific goals that I would have for wanting society to be better by people being better and myself being better in those ways. But at the same time, it doesn't make me angry. I'm not angry at the individual. I think if anything, I'm angry at the limitations of human nature. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's more nuanced than like I, I and, and because I'm I try to be very rational, I get I get why these things are the way they are. Like I totally get it. Like I, I could explain all the evolutionary reasons why we are more emotional than we are logical. Um, you know, all of that that stuff makes sense to me. But at the same time, it it also, you know, brings a lot of anxiety and 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 worry for the nature of humans in that we truly are limited and we can't do the things that are best and we will constantly hurt each other's and ourselves. Um, and oftentimes we do it on a scale that is way bigger than anything we'd ever considered we are actually affecting in the world around us. So yeah, that, that makes me upset and that makes me angry, but I can't be angry at any one person because it's, it's, uh, I've had conversations with friends about personality types and things like this too. Um, the other perspective I have on this is that it's it's like this double thing where I have compassion for everyone, but at the same time, I hate everyone. <laughs> yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? So uh, as, again, like someone who's known you for a long time, that I could not have conceived of a better way to describe you to someone who doesn't know you. Yeah. Yeah, like I hate people. People are terrible. Like if, if you were to say, right? If you were to say, "Hey, I want you to spend the next week talking to ten random strangers every day and just getting to know lots of people," I'd say that sounds like a terrible idea because most people 
are garbage. They're gonna, not gonna, they're not gonna tell me. And this sounds super conceited, and maybe this is the Tony Stark part of my personality. But most, most of those conversations out of a week, so that'd be seventy people. Let's just make it a hundred. A hundred people out of a hundred conversations with people, the vast majority of them are going to be predictable, um, uninteresting. There, I'm not going to find very much in those conversations or in those individuals that is surprising or unique or or anything. If any, if anything, it's just going to confirm confirm my bias that everybody is really pretty much they they fit into certain slots. They they are just kind of the same. People are people, right? But I might find one or two people in that group that I go, "Wow, you are very different from everybody else." And and it just has to do with percentage chance statistically of coming across people who are, are distinct or unique in, in, in certain ways. Um, Listening to you talk makes me think of the two possible like mistypes or of the two other types you might like take on some of the personality of between four and eight. Honestly, I'm getting more eight vibes. And I don't know if that's because my brother is an eight and him and I are very close. And like listening to you talk, I'm trying not to like start cackle laughing because like he says mm-hmm. some of the same stuff. Um, yeah. But I'm but I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. See, four thing to me, but that, like, maybe some of that is shaded by like primacy stuff like because. I got to know you as an adolescent. Yeah. And there is yeah. stretching uniqueness. And like, mm-hmm. that's how I knew you as a kid that might shape it. Like, was, I was more like, like no, he's definitely, gonna, it's, a, it's the four uh, counter type. Because, mm-hmm. and also, I'm a four. And so, mm-hmm. like, and, and some of the, like, the look at me stuff was shaped by. The year that we grew up in, uh, sure. of which you were a leader, like you were, you were, you were a senior in high school when I was like a, in middle school, right? So like you were like this cool kid to like achieve, you know? Like yeah, I want to be like yeah. Tom. I want to be like, and James was your other right. like compatriot, you know? Yeah, and like yeah, and like I want to be like them, and they play guitar, and so now I play guitar, and they play in bands, so I'll go to college and I'll start a band, and like, and so I, right. I, I've always attributed. So like when I saw the four countertype, I was like, that makes a lot of sense because I thought you were going to be either a four, or some, you know, one of the more intellectual kind of heady mm-hmm. uh, types, and so like, so I, I'll hear, I'll hear arguments to the opposite, but uh, I, I. Th- I, I I think you fit more in that like uh, uniqueness range. Was I maybe originally a four and then I grew into a one? Um. So a four is a one's stress number. Mm-hmm. So you can go and, into and a one four. is a four's growth number. Yes. Yes. So like so, I I identify with the one a lot. But you're also uh-huh. a one counter type. Right. And that's why I think. Yeah. Tom, you are a four counter type. I think you're a one with a four counter type, and that's some of the common ground that we've shared. Uh-huh. I, yeah. That's that's my hunch. Hmm. Because like I get I get similarly frustrated, uh, but I don't I I don't get as frustrated with individuals as much as I get frustrated with systems and institutions. And like I don't have an internal critic that is constantly like at my actions or like, but I mm-hmm. do have an internal critic that like. So like every time I go to any type of a public gathering, like some lecture where some expert's going to speak, 
as soon as I feel like they're wasting my time, I genuinely get frustrated. I was like, you have an audience of hundreds of people and look what you're doing with it. What are you like? Do you know that I would kill for an audience of hundreds of people? (laughs) I have things that I could actually share that I want to say that actually matter. And you're like, you've got butterfingers while we're all wasting our time. Like that's what happens to me Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you talk about having that, um, it's almost, it's almost an objective awareness of yourself. Uh, this, this judgmental picture of yourself as best as you can. And, um, that's something that I've explained a lot to people is that I'm rarely in the moment. I'm rarely in myself and I'm almost, almost always up here watching myself and the room at the same time. Um, I'm almost always external of myself and that is, um, of course, stressful to be in that all the time, but it also forces me to be more aware of how I present myself to others, of what I'm doing in a situation, those kinds of things. Um, it also means that I am very distinctly drawn towards situations that put me in a state of flow that force me to be in my body. And that's why I'm drawn to things like playing music, music, yeah. dancing, um, things that take a lot of coordination and focus in order for me to be present in the moment rather than objectively viewing the situation. Um, And this is something that I figured out a long time ago. But at the same time, even though that is a stressful thing, I find that because so many people lack that, that that they are truly hobbled by it. That they should, like, I have it, why don't you have that? Mm -hmm. Like, you would be better if you had this. (laughs) You know, like... (laughs) I think that's one of the things that I, like, I in particular have had to really, like, work to strengthen some of my relationships with type ones. Because as a type two, so for those of you who don't know what a type two is, that is the helper. Um, It's needing to be wanted and loved. And I have a very, very, very hard time with constructive criticism of any kind. Um, because I take it very personally. And I'm a very relational person. I'll put the relationship before I'll put the rules. And so Mm -hmm. like, I've, I've struggled with type one sometimes because I feel like it's the opposite, you know, it's very objective and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, everything is black and white. And I, I tend to live way more in the gray. What do you say to that? Like, how, what does that look like for you? uh, Let's talk black and white and gray. I think that everything's gray. Um, but at the same time, I, uh, there are things that I, (laughs) I think very, it's hard to talk about these things without sound, sounding conceited. I am a very yeah. smart person. <laughs> I, I score very highly on intelligence tests. Uh, school was very easy for me. I learn extremely quickly to, to a, a scale that when I take on new jobs, people are constantly surprised by my ability to tackle new information and new situations and handle I would it. say like part and parcel with that, you in my observation of you, I think you have like a, you have like a higher degree of like self-control than most people. Yes. I think that that, that goes as well. Um, so because of, because of that, I'm 41 years old, obviously I'm not the end of my story yet. Um, not like we ever are, but I've spent a significant amount of my now adult and teenage life working on myself. And because I feel like that that is an important thing. So when I look at personality types, and I don't mean this to be insulting in any way, but people who, uh, so one of the goals 
of being a good human being is to not be selfish, is to try to put others above yourself, the needs of others above yourself, if you know, or the needs of others appropriately to to what what they need, right? Yeah, even that has nuance and balance in it. And there's nuance and balance in yeah. it. But let's talk about the three different, um, you know, there's the social, the sexual, and the, what was the other one? Self-preservation. Uh, self-preservation. So the way, the way that I would justify these, self-preservation is 100% selfish, right? Because you're, you're mostly worried about yourself. And I would argue that if you are at that stage, if that's your default, then you're probably not addressing things or the situation around you is forcing you into a situation where you are in self-preservation mode, kind of like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. If you are in the social side of it, then that is equally as selfish, even though it seems like it's not actually selfish because it's, you're focused on everyone else. But the reason you're focused on everyone else is, is due to your own emotional needs for social justification for attention from the group you you are defining your own your own self-esteem your own worth and those things by your connection to the group as a whole and that it's it's see it's it's like the thing in friends of like you can't do something nice for each someone else without getting something out of it yourself so it's ultimately selfish does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah I, like I, i'm tracking there's a there's a dynamic there uh, people who are in that group will probably say, no, I'm just, I, I want to give to everybody. I want everyone to be okay. But in actuality, you're feeding a need for yourself. And that's why you're doing that underneath the surface. And it, you're not necessarily aware of that in, in the moment, but ultimately that's what's happening. Um, somebody who is more balanced, I would argue, probably, probably goes through different times in their life where they swing more more focused on themselves and then they swing more socially and then the balance is is actually that one-on-one -on -one relationship thing because you can't take care of everyone all at the same time the, the only way to justify objectively affecting somebody else's life in a positive way is in that one-on-one -on -one relationship so i hear, so I hear you. there's a lot of nuance to this yeah, but go yeah. ahead i hear you um, I'm a social subtype. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we look at subtypes, I think like it's a it's an element of the Enneagram, but it's not necessarily the main thing. Um, for me as a social subtype, my one to one relationships are very important to me. Oh, I'm, not um, saying, and, I'm not saying they're not. And my, right, my right. self-preservation relationship, like my, my uh -huh. relationship with myself, less important, but I'm working on it. Um right. Right. But, and there's a lot of gray to this. Uh, like sure. it would be easy to take my words and say, okay, well, you're, you're going to say black and white. This is the way this is. This is the way this is. But you're right. Everybody has all three of those aspects on certain, and they can um, certain switch. levels. That's exactly. the other part of exactly. subtypes um, is that they, I, they trade off. And I would argue and I, I would argue on some level that as people become more and more self um, actuated, they reach the higher of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They actually probably sway more sexual. I but disagree. I don't know. I disagree. I disagree. And I, I think I'm, I'm also a self-preservation -pres type. And like, so, so like, and I absolutely track with your logic. Like, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't even really necessarily disagree with it on, in, in an objective term. But I would say that, at least for me, Cause like I'm a pastor, like I, I literally lead a community mm -hmm. and 
and like measure my success based on like, so like, and, and especially with Pat, like pastors are notorious for like, we measure success based on how many people listen to us on Sunday morning or whatever. Sure. Um, But we're not measuring success based on how many people are actually having like life changing experiences as a result of listening to us, you know? And so like what we're trying to do at Kindred is like shift that measurement of are, are we doing good to not how many people show up, but to how many people are actually self-reporting like significant experiences. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like genuine. one-on-one actual relationship differences. Yeah. So, so like, like the sexual orientation. N- well, no, because uh, no, mm-hmm. sex, the sexual orientation is, is much more like, uh, like is, is much more one-on-one in a, in a partner, like, like my wife and my kids, you know? Like they're the ones and there, I would, I would also say there's absolutely nothing immoral or wrong with prioritizing that, those relationships. Sure. So for me, I go, I go to the, like, um, so like part of the way that I have to think about being a leader in these communities and, and, and specifically this community, the, the one that I'm in now leading Part of it, it, and this it sounds really conceited, and it kind of is. Like, I'll give you. Um, nobody can do what I do in this community. Yeah. You definitely take, have to think that way in what we're doing. And taking care I think of, similarly, but opposite. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, taking, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yes. So, like, sure. taking care of me. Right. Now, now you're, you're absolutely right. Like, the... All set now. The, the the one nuance that I would add to what you said, Tom, is that actually all three of those can go horribly wrong or wonderfully right. Right. All three of them sure. are equally healthy. There's not one thing. That, all your subtype is is it's your strongest human survival instinct. It's how you connect with others in the world around you. It's where you get your energy from. For me, I get my energy from constantly being around people and engaging with them that I like having those weird random 10 minute conversations with people that you find very uncomfortable, not because I need it to have my needs met, but because I thoroughly enjoy it and find energy in it. Mm -hmm. Well, I I would also add to it. Well, okay. So I was about to throw shade at you. Let me through, let me accept shade. I would also add (laughs) when when I go wrong, what you described like the uh-huh. selfish kind of tendency and the like look after myself and screw everybody else. Like when I go wrong, that's exactly how I go wrong. Um, yeah, right. and I, I right. would agree with that too. But yeah, I would yeah. also and, agree that there's a way, yeah. like there's, you can see that in a sexual subtype too. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the one oh, I'm thing sure. I think I'm sure. Out, I'm sure. Tom, was like yeah. the, we've all seen the people who hypersexual, o- overly indulge their partner. Right, right, right. Right, you know right. They, I mean? they, 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 yes, they are. They are very needy. They, they stick to that one person and they suck all the life out of them. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I totally get all that, and I totally get that. Um, all three of these work in a community context. All three of these are needed in a community context because that's the way our communities are built. That's just how we function as humans. Yeah. Sure. I'm. I, it's just kind of one of those ideas I wanted to throw out there because. Well, I'm also like I also identify with the the whole nature of. Like when I start to think through the same thing, I find myself going like, why? I don't understand how anyone wouldn't start with themselves. 
Yeah, and I feel that right. way like, about oh, yeah. my yeah. social oh, dynamics. Yeah. So I identify oh, yeah. with the like the other ways don't exactly make obvious sense well, to me. So yeah, here's here's, a, here's an interesting similar. dynamic on. Okay, so speaking as the sexual uh, type in the, in I believe the group, it's pronounced sexual. Sexual type in the group. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that. I think of myself as I need. I don't know. Like you just said, like why wouldn't I start with myself? And you're like, okay, well, why why wouldn't I start with the group? That's. But I don't necessarily think why why wouldn't I start with a one on one relationship? Like that's not my first go to, but I find. What is your first go to? Probably myself. Because. Because it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If I if I'm not yeah. well fed, if I if I'm if I'm a complete slob and haven't had exercise recently, if I'm um, if if I'm worrying about how I'm going to pay my bills and where I'm going to live, those those things, then of course I'm not going to be any good to anybody. Um, and then as I move up, if I don't have psychological support from people around me, like like I, all of that makes a lot of sense to me logically, but I think when you hit the top of that actualization it and 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 this is a much bigger philosophical discussion i guess yeah no, um, yeah you're, I, I, you're I, also joining the greats like lots of other i know i know where i think i know where you're going like you're on track with a lot of great psychologists and philosophers yeah yeah so uh, i think i think what i'm talking about isn't really at the it's not the bottom three like two-thirds of that hierarchy it would be right. helpful if we well, had it up on the screen right now. A lot. i just want to mention anybody who doesn't know what maslow's hierarchy of needs is mm -hmm. maslow was a psychologist and his major theory was uh like if you imagine like a triangle and the and like split into layers the bottom layer is your most base human physiological needs right. like food shelter water you have to meet those needs before you can meet like the next needs, which might be like inclusion, yeah. communal. Here, I, I just and pulled then, it up real, real quick. So uh, uh, physiological needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction, right? If you're not meeting those needs, then you're going to be seeking them because they are primary physical and psychological or mostly physical things that you, your body needs just to function, right? And you can't, you can't meet any other needs until those are met. Right. If you're starving, you're never going to be worried about helping your neighbor you know, with their taxes, like it's, mm -hmm. you're starving unless that's going to help pay the bills, which helps you eat. Right. Right. Um, and then safety is next above that. If you're worried about your safety, then you won't be able to do anything beyond that. And then love and beyond beyond belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. And that's where we're, that's where this stuff starts to really work itself out a little bit. And then you move above that and it's esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition. These are more like haughty psychological things. These are ways that you see yourself in the group these are ways that you identity, see yourself identity like, the, like what is the value of your action do you do you purpose. feel like you're contributing to society other people individual relationships you know and all of those the, kinds of things those two those two top tiers are mostly where we operate in the church and in, in our church anyway right like it's trying to get people connected and having a sense of belonging because we presume in america that most of the people we're dealing with have a sense of safety have their needs met Right. And, um, and it seems to me that these three different areas mostly fit in these two rungs, the love mm -hmm. and belonging and the esteem area. Right. These are these are love and belonging and esteem motivations. Yeah. For us. Um, then you, you get to the very top and that's self-actualization. Um, and I th and I th and, and there's something there about being it's the like most self 
Right. If you're going to be in the most self self actualized, and and again, this is this is way off the charts philosophical kinds of stuff, but there's something to me about, and maybe this is just a, a lifetime so far of trying to affect change in other people. Um, if I'm focused mostly on myself, uh, that doesn't move anyone else's needle. If I'm focused mostly on the group, um, unless I'm the president or something, that's not going to move the needle. Um, I find the one-on-one -on -one relationships are the ones that, when I am self most, when I am self-actualized, are most likely to make change in others. But maybe that justification is due to me being a one and seeking the greatest good in other people and trying and forcing myself towards the greatest good. Um, but I'm also highly rational, and so I'm go and so by my nature, I'm going. Well, why would if that's if that is maybe justifiable maybe you could scientifically justify that that is actually the most effective self-actualization then why be anything below that right but then that goes back to me being a one why be anything below that right yeah, does that make see, sense i don't i don't think that way i'm a as a two i'm a highly 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 relational person i'm very motivated motivated by relationship and you know like you know, you guys brag about y'all. I'm going to brag about me for a second. Nobody knows how to navigate social situations like I do. Like, or at least nobody that I know. That's just something I'm naturally very, very good at. Um, I'm constantly thinking about. Well, when how you to... say navigate social situations, can you be more specific about that? Yeah. So I was just about to get into that. But my, my brain kind of naturally without even thinking about it, I'm constantly thinking about how to engage myself with other people and different niches that I can be meeting and different ways that I can fit into a group. And well, how and I I would, can... if I can, I mean, like, sure. throw this out if you don't like it, I would say in my observations and like working with you for over the past year, a big part of that is also, it's not just like navigating the social situation. It's, it's like identifying group needs Yes. And like, and, and facilitating. So it's, it's like, so my experience of you is you don't have the answers to most people's needs. What you have are the connections to the answers to most people's yes. needs. And, and like, I'm very good at instantly finding it. them. Yeah, I can like, find them very quickly and it's very natural for me. And so for me, like having that gift and that ability and being able to connect with people in that way, it challenges me to push myself to be better. Um, it challenges me to um, put others first, you know, like, and yes, like, I've had to ultimately work on myself and my own motivation. And that's why I think I've been getting into the boxing gym and like, working out and like prioritizing my health more recently is because I've realized like, while wow, that's great and I love doing that, there has to be some level of taking care of myself because if I do all of this over here, I'm not actually investing in myself. And so I'm doing that. But like, I feel like that's how I move into self-actualization is continuing to like engage with and I, I describe it as winning sometimes. Like, I feel like I win. I feel like I'm making a difference. I feel like I'm doing the most good that I can when I'm in those situations, when I'm connecting with other people, when I'm engaging different networks, when I'm allowing myself to be fully present in a situation, but also meeting others' needs. I would go further than that. So like you, you feeling fulfilled is automatically, that's like already a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But I think probably 
at least equally, if not more importantly, those are also the, the things you're describing are also the mechanisms by which the people around you get their needs met because of what you're doing. Yeah. Like, so there's something, it's not just about like, well, you know, well, this I makes me feel careful. good about me. Yeah. Like, and now mm-hmm. that, again, it can go wrong. Like, it can yeah, go I, ha- I definitely ways. have to be careful to not fall into martyr mentality. When I'm but in most- an unhealthy state or if I'm like burnt out, I absolutely will overwork myself and over push myself to the point where I still do all this work and I'm a martyr and nobody appreciates me. And that's something I have to like keep in check because I know I do that. But what were mm-hmm. you, what were you saying? Well, so like uh, the, so one of the things I've noticed, so like, so I, again, self-prez, uh, <laughs> one of the, th- one of the key lessons that I find myself offering to a lot of the, uh, like our, you know, congregation for lack of a better word, cause even that kind of doesn't fit our exact scenario, but like, you know, the people who gather with us and like join in our small groups and like really want to like start to work on themselves one of the I've noticed a consistent key lesson that I offer people is something along the lines of, uh, you know, owning your own emotions, speaking for yourself, right? Having a voice to say that's not okay, like accepting personal responsibility, even even in things that you don't have total control over. The idea that you lean into the things that you have power over and responsibility for those are the things that are actually going to give you me like so like it's a lot of this very like self-centered kind of stuff um and i find that those are the things that actually help people so like we have like two very different leanings that are apt that are also activating in ways that are for other people so like someone who's very social and like yeah, absolutely. Courtney learned to be social because it fills some kind of a, like it scratches an internal itch, you know? And yet the social is about connecting people with other people and, yes. and like fulfilling those needs. Yeah. Yeah. And also like me, self-prez, like one of my, cause you know, like, and I can even tell you why, like I grew up in an abusive household, like self-prez is the way I learned to survive, you know? But also I'm finding that people in adulthood, like, need permission and even lessons and opportunities to practice like how to say things like um like god courtney tonight you were like because we were planning on like maybe having people over tonight just as like a hang and courtney was like hey i i'm real i've had a rough week i'm exhausted you know is uh, is it okay if i don't do that and then that turned into like you know what let's just not even bother like that's a new development (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, like the ability to say, Hey, this is what I need. Like, and so many people yeah. don't really have that. And that's um, something that as a type two in particular that I've really had to work on is identifying my own needs and being able to vocalize them. Yeah. So like, so, so I'm, I'm with you in the, like, I hear where you're coming from. I do disagree with the levels of like, gradation yeah of like no, which I'm one's better you. and which one's not you know like yeah it's an intellectual exercise i'm with you yeah well here's well, here's the other thing about my personality is that is that oftentimes i will throw things out there in order to see how they feel mm-hmm. see um, and this is why i had brought and, in a possible challenger counter type 
Oh no, you and, seem yeah. like a very yeah. logical, rational, oh, yeah. Yeah, but very also much. very like kind of protected person to yeah. me. Yeah. You, and um, you have an immense amount of self-control. Type eights want to be in control. They want to be able to like guide. I don't. Well, here's yeah. Here's the other thing on on this is that I don't want to make anybody happen. else do anything. Right. I don't want to uh, tell yeah. other people what to do. I don't want to dominate a, anyone. I but it doesn't necessarily mean eights. other people. It just means like in control of your own emotions, in control of your own rationale, in control of. Oh your sure, own sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I was. Just, I was yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I. I wasn't. People. I wasn't saying that you were saying that I wanted. I was. Oh. I was trying to make the nuance distinction that that. Sure. When when it comes to control, it it is about self and not about others. I'll say right. I I'm right. particularly sensitive to the like to eight types who want to control. Mm -hmm. Like I like I I've there's been a few people I've encountered in my life that I've been like God what a dickhole like I fucking <laughs> hate that guy or right. whatever right. and yeah. like turns out almost all of them turn out to be eights you know like yeah. so that that's what makes me like. No, 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 because in my experience, eights want to maintain control over things and right. not just themselves. Right. Like, like, I, I still hold like, by the argument that you've mostly interacted with unhealthy eights. Well, that's, those are the only ones I'm going to notice. Yeah. You know? actually... any, any healthy eight, quote unquote, out there who I meet, if they're healthy, I'm never going to be like, it's not going to be a pain in your butt. But the, right. but the people who like, cause I've encountered lots of challenging people and most of the time, I mean, God, for God's sake, I work in the church. Like you think I haven't encountered <laughs> challenging people? Like it's, it's my full-time job. Um, but like most of the time when I encounter challenging people, I have the reaction of like, Oh, this person's a challenging person. I will deal with them by, by means of X, you know, like I just like, it's a, it's like a math problem more than it is like, but there's something about eight personality types. And, and I, I, I can tell you exactly what it is. I'm a, I'm, I want to be me. That's my main motivation. I want to mm -hmm. be me. Anytime someone, like I just had a, like I posted something on Facebook that had the word motherfucker in it. And my, <laughs> my DS, my, my supervisor, who is a lovely guy and also is like very open-minded but he basically had to call me on the mat and be like i hear where you're coming from but you can't do that yeah i need you to take that down like you, you're going to cause problems and i was right. like very well i will do it today and i took it down immediately because i have so much respect for him and and even if sure. i didn't because i want to keep my job um but like there's something about the the challenging controlling nature of of dysfunctional aids that like disrupts my i just want to be seen mm -hmm. like i want to be myself i i need i need to be if you tell me to take down the word motherfucker well that's the word i chose what are you talking about you know and yeah. and like there's something in that that i've just never sniffed out even remotely from you you've never been like a controlling mm -hmm. type person I right. don't think it's controlling in a dysfunctional, unhealthy type eight way. I think it's controlling in a rational, again. Yeah, yeah, very... we're, all, we're all in agreement about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. Well, I still, I still think you're you have more for. I mean, like, for God's sake, you started a podcast network. 
you know, like you have a, a healthy amount of, and also like, I like you've always been a performer, right? Like always. Oh yeah. Whether yeah. It's, whether it's yeah. theater or music or, or like, like oh, sure. most lately podcasting and like streaming and playing game, like you've always enjoyed similar to me, like enjoyed, like, Hey, nobody wants to go up. I'll go up. You know, like there's something in mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's why you're, you're more of a, your, your, your counter type is the four, not the eight. That's what I think. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you've got a healthy yeah. amount of look at me. Like you yeah, don't come and, across exactly as an extrovert, but I think you're extroverted. Um, yeah. It's, uh, extroversion and introversion is one of those interesting things. Oftentimes it's described as where you get your energy from. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do find that performance, like, uh, when, when I toured in the band, um, was exhausting. Like the end of the night, the other guys in the band would be pumped up and I'd be like, let's just chill. Let's just get in the van and drive. <laughs> be quiet. Can we just be quiet for a while? Um, so I, but I do enjoy, I enjoy the att attention. I enjoy the challenge of the thing. Um, I often also enjoy, um, I don't know. <laughs> by nature and maybe this is one of those growing up in the early 90s things being the alternative person right the, remember the alternative kids of the 90s yeah. the crunch contrarian right that, that's that being unique so like like you, your description of like well no one else wants to get up and do it i'll get up and do it that's in my head that's almost like a well all of you guys suck because i can clearly get up and do this and you can't it's a it's a competitive thing, yeah. which is which is another trait of a one. Um, but at the same time, in a situation where uh, everybody's getting up, I'm like, nope, I'm going to sit back. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to join the melee for attention because you guys are idiots because you're competing for attention. So I'm going to sit back here and do my thing. And I don't care if everyone pays attention to me at all. Kind of sounds which, like you're more like a true attention. one. Which which can net attention because exactly because it's it's the smarter way about going about it right. right if there's if there's a deficit of attention up there on that stage because everyone's competing for it then I'm gonna do the the thing that's counter to that because it's doing the thing that's counter to the thing everyone else does is sometimes the smartest thing to do um it yeah it's there <laughs> but yeah and but it's it, it's this competitive side of me that isn't about it's more of an inter it's more of a competing in order to improve myself than it is competing to put somebody else down. <clears throat> if that makes sense. Yeah, that's very one. Yeah. That it's, was I don't want to I don't want to beat you in that video game because I think I want you to know you suck. I want to beat that beat you in that video game because I believe I can do the best I can and that will help justify me knowing that I did the best I can. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, so bat like cuz cuz I have you know, I've, we've, you and I have talked about this, but let's get it on record. Like, I have very fond memories of per particularly you and James in youth group because, I, so I grew up in, in a very kind of like bullied culture. Like, even mm -hmm. my like neighborhood quote unquote friends were like, they were just kind of assholes. You know, they, like everybody was stepping on each other to get to the top. And there was, there was a sense of competition, but it was also like this, like me, it was mean, biting, spirited right. competition. Right. And I always hated it. And I felt like I was always the only one who could see beyond it. Like, like nobody else, 
Like I was also kind of always a little bit of yeah. a more more of a thinker than most of my peers, you know. Right. Like this is and, this is not helping anybody. This is just tearing us all down. Right. Yeah. We're not like, getting anywhere. But I also yeah. didn't have the skills to be able to lead or like tell anybody or like express that. Like it's not like I could take the reins and and just like, all right, we're gonna do it my way now. Um yeah. and that that was one of the things about so the youth group that saved my life, like when I first it was you and James the lead people and years like it was but like look you guys were the cool sure sure you know? and even yeah, after we were super cool <laughs> yeah you guys, i mean you really were you were the, yeah you were in a band yeah well by yeah by that point you're, you know? you're talking like you know senior year of high school uh you know like overly confident you know yeah <laughs> like right yeah like we were we were yeah you know? we were like we thought we were awesome but yeah, yeah. Uh, and like everyone below were awesome too you know <laughs> right, but there, right there's something wonderful and, and for me very graceful about like you and then even the class below you guys who was filled with lots of other people who whom mm -hmm. i love and could name and all that um the spirit of of that like cool kiddedness was a new brand that i had never experienced and it's like it's similar to what you're describing Mm -hmm. It like it is it was like, yeah, no, we compete absolutely, like everyone is vying for some kind of a like yeah. finding their niche, finding what they do well like it's it's what got me into drama which mm -hmm. then led me to music, which then led me to like you know like my whole right. fucking career by the way it's it's a you know? <laughs> for, for you know we're, we're you know we're talking around Christian things, it's a you know metal sharpening metal kind of kind yeah of thing. Rather yeah, than tearing each other down, you know, it's, it's, Hey, let's, you know, let, uh, this is awesome. I can do it. Can you do it too? Oh, you so, can't well, yet. Well, here you go. Yeah. Nobody pounced on anyone's mistakes. Right. Like, like it was all very delicate. That's not even the right word. It, Cause it, it didn't feel delicate. It, I mean, it was like, we were just like doing our thing. We were, it felt very natural. Uh, mm -hmm. And yet there was this culture of, like nobody's here to tear anyone down. Even if you're getting a little bit of shit, there's also there's like a sensitivity in it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was it was like our youth director buoyant. You know well, like, that was oh my god. <laughs> I need to tell that that story. Um, that was not meant as a as an insult at all. Well, uh, but, right though, but, but that was that was you know? <laughs> we were yeah. Well, he was like okay. So we can talk about. John, right? He naturally yeah. a very very competitive. Okay, person. that's who I thought you were talking about. Right, right. Yes. Naturally, very very competitive and person. Courtney worked with John. Courtney yes. was the staff member under John before. Yeah, John I and I are close. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, you know, and I I still know John. We don't talk very often, but um, you know, it had a, a wonderful impact on my development as a teenager, and you know, I looked up to him a lot, and um, was uh, there's something about his. He came from like playing baseball, and there was more of this jock background to him, which was foreign oh, yeah. to me he's because a, I he's an achiever, right? And and that wasn't really a thing for me, but it also helped motivate me and and let me know that that was okay. You know, like it was okay to be aspirational and achieve and and you know compete a little bit and and that kind of thing. Uh, we went on a camping trip once, and we were in a a springs like a lake, and we're all like like I don't know, chest high, waist high in the lake, kind of jumping. And he's jumping higher than everyone else. 
out of and I think maybe we're like shoulder high and he's like shooting himself out of the water and he's like wow guys why can I jump higher than everyone else right you know kind of like smarmy like well because you're a grown ass college, man yeah, who is 20 <laughs> you were 28 you're 28 years old you're a college athlete you work yeah. out all the time we're a bunch of scrawny teenagers of course but I you know I looked at him he's also a, a larger guy like what, he's six three two I don't yeah, know he, how tall he is he's like he's like just barely under me yeah, he's a tall well, he's guy. He's also like maybe I don't know, fifty percent wider, and right. not in like a right. fat way. In like no, no, a no. Way, in, like in a, in a, a yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's he he always worked out. He was always in good shape. He, you know, uh, kind of larger guy. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a five nine, you know, sixteen year old kid. Um, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's like jumping out of the water, and and I just it just occurred to me, you have more body mass. Maybe you're more buoyant than we are. And I was like, well, it's because you're more buoyant. But he took it as a fat joke. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's just like, I think I must have hit him like personally in a way that he was. Life of its own. Yeah. And he was he was must have been very self-conscious about that at the, at the moment because um, he and some other people left and went back to the camp. And then me and the other kids came back to the camp later. And they, I guess they were talking about me calling him buoyant, and I was, and I laughed about it again. I was like, "Yeah, you're, because you're more buoyant." And he flicked me off, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait, Love what?" That. Yeah, yeah. And like, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> totally not trying to be mean." But anyway, yeah, that's a that was a fun exchange. That, but but that culture, one, I I think it did come from top down. I I, I think. I, I give John like an immense amount of credit for genuinely understanding something about teenage culture that was important that mm -hmm. not a lot of adults understood. And also because of that, it attracted people like you and James and, and all the other people that, you know, I don't want to like name a bunch of names, but like yeah. it, it, it was my like, you know, I don't know what you call it. Superiors isn't the right word, but like you guys who were slightly ahead of me, like really did a lot to define and kind of correct some of the, like the bullshit that I had lived through in, yeah. in like elementary school and middle school to like um, find this group of people who was, who were simultaneously competitive in like a good and healthy way. Like there was vying for attention and like stage time and, and like the jobs that you, you know, like, Hey man, if you want to, like I, I ended up running tech for the contemporary service, which was like, I thought was like a big deal. And like, well, like in order to do that, you really have to like take it seriously and do it. Mm -hmm. And they, they weren't going to like, it wasn't a token position. It was like, no, I'm counting on you every week. And there was something about that combination of like the expectation and the competition with the graciousness and the love and the like not tearing each other down. Like it, it, that, that's a really hard mix to find and right. to like facilitate and and like you you and james and everyone else were a really big part of that at least for me and i i think most people in that environment would say the same thing yeah i think um and we, we bring up james james was my best friend in high school um and he uh he got picked on by a lot of other kids he was constantly the poser who was trying to be cool that nobody else thought was cool and people didn't get his sense of humor he was kind of weird he was he was that kid um but I, I don't even remember when we met, but I do remember that the thing that I learned about him that uh, justified to me that he 
was a good person was that he was he was very accepting of other people like he would call out the people who were who were mean to him as being jerks and whatever because they were but when it came to anybody else he he was like he was just accepting it didn't matter there was never he would never laugh at you if that makes right. sense it yeah. was always if something happened he would laugh but it was like hey we're laughing with each other because this funny thing happened it was there was never any judgment coming from him i think that's really what it comes down to um and because of that you have a situation where you're friends with somebody and you can actually be yourself because you're not afraid of being judged by them and yeah. then we became friends with the other kids in the youth group and then we become the older kids in the youth group and we became friends with the younger kids in the gr youth group and there was that just acceptance of like it's cool man that, no that's a prolific thing though for for younger teenagers to oh, yeah. have to have like and and especially as a as a as a guy to have like older basically men you know like driver's licenses uh, about yeah. to graduate high school. They have school. jobs. Yeah, those yeah. kinds of things. You know, yeah. working at, yeah, I remember you guys working at Taco Bell was like a big, <laughs> yeah. like a funny thing that we joked right. about a lot. And like, and to have a, a same level of attention and care in, in, in our like, you know, in our like group, in our culture from, from older guys who I was used to just like being shit on by older people. Like they didn't, could, couldn't care right. less. Yeah, you there know? was, there was, I don't think he ever felt, um, competed with by the other, if, if, and we're talking competition here, because so much of his life was a competition with the cool kids at school or whatever, who were constantly, you know, making fun of him and stuff. When he was in his safe place, which was the youth group, there was, or especially when he was one of the older ones, he was never instigating competition among, like, social competition. Yeah, he was probably sensitive to it. Right. And so, and so he didn't force that on anyone else. So yeah. it was always just, you know, like, I, I don't know, I don't have the words to describe the feeling that that creates, but it was a very safe place for young men to be themselves it, and not feel it, condemnation. It was, it was protective. Like, I, like there are, there are like very like small, subtle memories of when someone would attempt mm -hmm. to like step out of line and get a little nasty. Yeah. And like the yeah. culture would turn against them pretty quickly. Oh yeah. 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 You because, know? because like, of that sensitivity that against, against people yeah. being jerks. And, um, I think he and I, by, especially by like junior, senior year of high school, were very like, we were empowered by that because, mm -hmm. because we would call people out. Cause we were like, no, no, don't be a jerk. What are you doing? I, <laughs> I can't, I wish I could remember specific examples, but cause I grew up in jerky culture. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I remember specific examples of kind of like being correct. As soon as somebody, yeah, as soon as somebody came, came out of line and made fun of someone else or whatever, yeah. it was like, that was the only time we would ever condemn or make fun of them. We would make fun of them for making fun of someone else, but, you know, like. And, and, that, like you're that you're a, you're 15 years old. Why are you making fun of the 12 year old you're playing the game with? Of course he can't throw the ball as hard as you can. Like yeah. stop. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> be a jerk. Like you're yeah. bigger than he is. Duh. <laughs> like, it, that like share that, the ball. Let him throw it again. It was yeah. a real magical culture. Cause cause even even in being because like again like I grew up I grew up in a in a group that constantly did that and that's how you survived. And like. 
some of it was my willingness and like desperateness to, I want out of that. I, I hate this type of culture. So some of it is a little bit of awareness, but also I like, I, I can remember times when I felt corrected by that, but also like, it wasn't harsh. I, like, it's so hard to describe the nature of that, like to, to feel it was, it's almost, it was almost life. a reminder. Yeah. It was almost a reminder that uh, you're not, you're not, yeah. you're working your way out of the group. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do that. Like but this, it also, it this is the only way like to not be included as much as it, it did feel like a pull, like, Hey man, get back the fucking line. Right. Like you just walked yourself out of the line. Yeah. Get back over here. What are you doing? Like, yeah. And that's like magic. That's a magic trick to be able to do that. Like yeah. on, on a large scale too. Cause it, we're talking like a hundred people in that youth group by the time mm -hmm. I graduated. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. you know, it was, it was lesser when I started, you know, maybe like 30, right. 40 or something, but like, and it, that it may have like been why we were, that may have been why we felt so empowered because by the time I had joined the group, it was, I don't know, the end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year. Um, and at that time, especially the high school group was like at the most 10, 12 people on a busy youth group Sunday. Yeah. Like it was, it was tiny. There were, for a while, there were six of us. There were three guys and three girls. The first Just camping like, trip we went on. Only the high schoolers. That was the, the first camping trip we went on. The first high schoolers camping trip we went on. There were th six students, three guys and three girls. Mm -hmm. And James slept on, he decided to sleep on the dock and he got eaten by ants. I remember that. Nice. <laughs> he was nice. like, I'm going to sleep under the stars on the dock tonight. And we're like, okay, I'm going to sleep in a tent. And we woke up that. the next morning and he was just like <laughs> covered with ant bites. <laughs> That sounds like, yeah, I have a lot of good <laughs> stories. Cause, cause, well, the, one of the other things about James, too, is that he, like, you went, I think you did, like, one year in town and then moved on to Lakeland, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I did, yeah, I uh, St. what's now St. Pete College, St. Pete Junior College. I did 13th yeah. grade and decided, this is lame, I'm going to real school, and went away uh, to actual college. I, yeah. did, I did 13 and 14 before I moved <laughs> on, so you're in good company. But uh, but I remember James stuck around for a year after that, and there was there was a like I always liked James, but there was a shift in that fourteenth year, like and I'm I'm repeating myself with you, Tom, but like for the sake of getting it on record, like mm -hmm. a lot of great stories about like I re I remember showing up to a beach day and feeling very self conscious, and I didn't have a bathing suit, and I didn't want to have a bathing suit because I was a scrawny little kid and like i remember james throwing me in the water and it, it <laughs> from the outside it would look like a bullying maneuver like like some asshole who's throwing some little kid in the water but like it it, it was this really weird mutual understanding like he did it so that i could join in the party because everyone else was in the water right and right. then like there was a ski trip where he was like particularly like i and i think some of it also had to do with your absence too like, because you guys were so joined at the hip mm -hmm. that when when you guys were suddenly in different cities, you know, uh, he was like, "All right, who am I now?" And one of the one of the answers to that was like, "I'm a mentor to these young people," and like he he actually like took up the mantle and like that's that's a pretty remarkable thing, and that's also an energy that I always kind of felt from you, like you and a lot of the older students in that group always kind of had this like sense of responsibility for the people below you, quote unquote, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that was probably initiated by John. Yeah. And you know, like you guys are the older ones. You need to lead by example, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I'm not sure I took, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I did that with as much skill. There was something, there was something unique about particularly. Well, there you. was, I, I think it was, there were less, maybe, maybe it was our personalities, but maybe it was just, there were less, there were, you know, it was just us. If anyone was going to do it, it was us. There weren't a hundred kids and, you know, 20 of them were seniors. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, there's us and then there's a bunch of younger people. So this is clearly our job. <laughs> Nobody else yeah. is going to do it. Well, I, I definitely like it's when I saw again, when I saw the one and like the like, this can be better. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that that adds up. That that is exactly what I think of Tom. <laughs> I, yeah. what the, that might be the first phrase I think of if of, when I think of you is like, this could be better. Yeah. What's funny is one of the things in the description says that I'm absolutely optimistic. And when I filled out the answers on the test, I put completely pessimistic. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, compared to the average population, optimistic, pessimistic. And then I'm like, the middle is probably someone who would is actually a realist, not someone who claims to be a realist. Because usually people who claim to be realists are just pessimist. more pessimist or more optimist than the people they're around. Right. They're <laughs> they're they're a realist by association, not most, actuality. Most, well, uh, I thought no, I've thought I about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. I, 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 at I first I was right. like, most realists yeah. are actually pessimists, but no, that's because usually the just they're justifying themselves as being realists against optimists, which means they're well, more pessimistic than the optimist. So one of the I'd things like that to I've think been, that I'm realistic, but I think I'm more optimistic. I think you're more pessimistic. Really? Yeah. And here, here's what. The, so, like, this it's is one tricky. of the things I've noticed. Um. So, like. Like, I don't, I, it is not my intention to go into a whole political thing. So let me just caveat that. Uh I have noticed that most of my peers have this, like, really, to me, strange view of society and the world that, like, everything is just a piece of shit and it's going to hell in a handbasket and everything's fucking terrible. Right. So when you, are these church peers? Are these... No, no, I'm Social talking peers? like, it's mostly like, uh, oh gosh, my chair is making so much noise. Um, There's a little I'm, button, uh, by the way, called um, noise suppression. It's right next to the hang up disconnect button. Don't hit the disconnect button. Is there a try keyboard the, tr- shortcut? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, you can try that out. I haven't tried it, but it's supposed to be amazing. All right. Well, I'll look into it, but for now, <laughs> I'm um, no, I mean, when I say peers, I mean like um, mostly like my age group, uh, my clergy peers, people, people, uh-huh. not necessarily in the church, but like, so in, in the Florida Conference of the Methodist Church, it, fairly progressive. Right. Like, yeah, because, like, because among, I just, this is why I wanted clarity on this, because among more conservative churchgoers, there is a narrative that the world is going to hell and everything keeps getting worse and this is the worst the world has ever been. And that is absolutely I, not true, historically. Yeah. The world is was absolute shit throughout most of time, and in most of the world right now, the world is shit, and terrible things happen to everybody. And strangely enough, we live in this bubble in the Western world where we actually have, say, you know, voting rights for women, and <laughs> these some of I these good so... things, and we we aren't as scared to walk out of our door because we might be murdered by somebody. I would even slightly disagree with. I, I don't. I don't disagree with. Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're like you know places where certain people can't vote and where like dick like god china's a fucking nightmare right now 
Um, right. And like I have family that live in Taiwan and Hong Kong. And it's, sure. If you it's, live in most places, literally every if day. you live in most of Africa, South America, Asia, the Middle East, your your life is probably very bleak today. That's so that's not entirely true. There are certainly places in Africa and the Middle East, though, and those are the ones I know about, where life is not bleak. Now, there's some seriously rough shit that needs to be corrected. Absolutely. But my, my whole point in all of this is like the world is actually getting much, much better. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, that, that's what I'm that's that's my point. My, my greater right. point is that yeah. even though things are terrible, this is the best things I've ever been. And things are continuing to to improve outside right. of certain things happening on the world stage politically with certain superpowers. And also, and those like, kinds of things. You, you definitely but, have to take a longer, like, you know, yes, this yes. whole COVID thing is a, is a nightmare right. in the United right. States. Right. And yeah, everybody's sure. mental health is in the shitter with COVID right now. Yeah. Right, but, right. Yeah, all of that stuff. But, but anyway, I wanted to, view, yeah, but this, I, right, I agree with you. Like, this general conservative Christian narr narr narrative of the world is getting worse and eventually this is what's heading to the end times and those kinds of things. You say conservative Christian view, I would say that is the overwhelming majority of the progressive, like far left view also. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Such shit, and that's we should tear it all down and burn it all down. And I'm like, that, yeah. I, like, and let's, that, I, I find so much of my recent disagreement with people is, is rooted around this like, hey, I'm liberal, but I also like, I'm really pleased with the progress we've made and hope to continue that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Miraculous yeah. levels of progress given the time we've had, you know, if you took anybody out of our current world situation who lives in Western society and you planted them a hundred years in the past for a week, they would kill themselves. And, then, <laughs> and you said, and then you, and then you took them out of time again and you said, which one do you want to go back to? They would clearly come back to the present because right. Because the past was way more dangerous. You, I mean, there, for, we can go into multiple reasons for why this is the case. You, you take somebody out of the current and take them back 400 years? I mean, there's absolutely no comparison. Right. You know? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, yeah, there, there is no, absolutely no comparison. Uh, to, to think that it was... <laughs> in most societies, women could not walk by themselves in public safely throughout right. most of history is should be alarming and yet for some reason nobody seems to think about that as being a thing yeah it yeah. like that doesn't like yes the world is a lot better you can go to walmart on your own without general fear of being you know killed or raped or whatever i mean yeah maybe somebody will pick your pocket but even that's rare you know yeah maybe somebody's gonna be a jerk at the counter when you try to check out that's like that's the you know maybe some guy cat calls you not to say that that's not a terrible thing and that shouldn't happen but that's on the scale of terribleness that's right considerably different than you could get abducted and that's because a real you hard walk to the store by yourself a lot of people right now right like but that does find, but again I this is myself, this is gray it's 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 not a black or white thing yes those things are terrible and those things should go away and we need to fix them absolutely right. i was just making the point that they're not as but, bad as they used to be but i i found that most again most of my progressive peers Mm -hmm. seem to not hear that part of this like like the idea that you're you're absolutely right we have problems we need to address like oh, absolutely there's systemic right. racial issues there is chauvinism 
there is there there's still like plenty of homophobia to go around like there's lots of things that we have progress to make on and also so far this is the absolute best time to be alive as a human being this is as good as it's ever gotten this is ever. as good as it's ever gotten yeah. and that doesn't mean it's good it doesn't even mean it means okay it's just as good well, as it's gotten I would, See, some that's, that's some the caveat, okay. the thing that Tom just said is, is well, what well, I would add into that. For, for the overwhelming majority of people in the United States, it's absolutely good. For the overwhelming yes. majority. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's, yeah, we have to define what we're, like, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is not good is that there are still not equal rights among people of different genders and races and sexualities. Yes. That is still Correct. not good. That is not okay. Right. But for your day to day existence, the fact that you don't have to worry about most of the time being murdered, that you can, for the most part, pick a career, try to try to achieve it, that for the most part, you have food on your table and, you know, the freedom to raise your family or, you know, like, yes, we have a lot of frame. So so overall, things are pretty good comparatively to the past. Yeah. But you look at the, the bad things that are happening and those are still not OK. Right. Those still so need to be we, worked yeah, on. We have to actually so, do things right. to address So let, let me be a little yeah, bit more yeah. clear in, in, in my right. what what not okay is actually encompassing. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you. Like I, I, I have such a like a frustrating time with that trying trying to like navigate all the nuance of that. Right. My, and my main thing is people who who seem to want to uh, my my biggest frustration is people who are who are like burn it all down. Yeah, like people no, that's that like you right. don't even remotely understand what you're talking about. Right. Anytime like, historically that any society has burned it all down, the people who came to power afterwards were not to the benefit of that society. They're right. to the benefit it, of themselves. You can't so, burn it all down. Yeah, you have to fix it from so within. It's vulnerable to like horrible people. Yes. Because you have because to, you you have to fix it from within. Right. You, when you burn it all down, you burn down the structures that protected things like. Right. I mean, at least in, in, in theory, like everyone is supposed to get a vote, you know, now we can argue about all the bullshit that's going on right now with sure. voting rights. Right. Like, and I, and I'm with you, like that sucks and all the shit that's happening is terrible, but at least in, in enshrined in our like cultural mm -hmm. identity is this idea that everyone has rights and everyone gets to vote and people like kind of forget that when you burn it all down, that stuff goes up for grabs. And historically speaking, it's gone out the window every single time. That right, right. It just goes to the strongest, the, the strongest party in power. Yeah, that's that's all it ever goes to. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I feel like we've kind of circled away from enneagram stuff into. Well, that's kind of what that's the issues. nature of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else we need to discuss about the personality? Yeah, we're coming up on about an hour and a okay. half, so. Unless you have anything else you want to throw you out feel there. Good? Um, yeah, I, I think bringing up this whole pessimism, optimism thing, I, there's a lot of... Yeah, you never said why you thought I was more pessimistic. <laughs> uh, because I, because based on our conversations, you seem to be kind of a burn-it-all-down oh, person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not a burn-it-all-down <laughs> okay. person. Well, we can talk more about that. We can do it on air if you want to. Like, I, I love talking. No, about I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm really yeah, good. I, didn't think I so. really I am. Want, 
I'm I really mean, and the last thing I want to do is put you on the spot in any way. Like, I yes, thank you so much I for think, offering. Yeah, but I'm I, I, I think your your conversation your conversation right here helped me understand quickly. Um, one of the things that I find interesting about personalities is internal ironies, and um, so for example. The idea that you could possibly be a burn it all down person, which you're saying you're not, and also be somebody who loves the group and wants the easy <laughs> like there's a natural irony there, right? Now I'm not saying that you are necessarily yeah. like that, but uh that would be funny. That would to me, that's funny. Um the ideas I find that there are a lot of internal ironies in just my personality type as written. This idea that, like, I want what's best for everybody, I'm shooting for what's best, but I'm also extremely pessimistic. Like, right. and, and that goes counter to my personality description. I'm supposed to be highly optimistic. Um, and I don't know what that says. Does that there's mean... Is that... There's something strange going on there with the, like, despite... So, like, these are metaphors. I don't mean this literally, but, like, head, sure. heart, gut, you know? Yeah. So there, there, there are there are different areas in our psyche and and literally in our physiolog physiological like brain mapping that actually compete with each like for fuck's sake our like our brain is literally two lobes right. that talk to each other right. that you can sever the corpus callosum and those brains still activate individually without communicating to each other and compete. Right with each other oh so yeah like, yeah and we have different layers the outer layer is way more rational than the right. the, the you know the yeah, lizard brain your underneath your it brain is constantly competing yeah. with your you know quote-unquote lizard brain you know, like yeah. yeah yeah like i want to eat that like hey no nope, probably not a good idea shouldn't, you shouldn't eat that it's gonna yeah. make you sick or it's gonna make you unhealthy or it's gonna give you heart disease you know like, <laughs> right, right. Like, like yeah yeah absolutely we are we are a magical combination of a bunch of contradictions for sure yeah Competing yeah and and in in my personality type that's one of the things that drives me the most nuts is that in myself i strive not to be a contradiction like it and this goes back to college this goes back to studying religious studies and psychology and all the things that i studied be, is that it but it is like there's this very strong impetus of me to try to make everything match up. If I say I believe a thing, then I do a thing. Um, it, it, like I, I find right. that the people, I find that the people who contain the most internal irony are often the ones who are the least. And this is going back to the self-actuated things. They're the ones who are the least self-actuated. Well, and, I would say so. Like, there's an interesting connotation with irony. So I would. To, for connotational purposes let's talk contradiction uh, that's exactly contradictions what I, like, the, I the people who it's yeah 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 well I, irony I'm, I'm, has this i find i find like yeah awareness yeah yeah I, I found irony in my uh description in my Perfect. description of the the number one um but i but contradictions like if you believe that you know x then you can't believe y because those two things are counter to each other right but most humans carry many contradictory beliefs all at the same time. Well, it's, it's, and they uh, don't ever examine them and realize that they, very, they don't fit together. It's a very cartoonish example, but it's like uh, Trump's not racist. He just wants the Mexicans to stay on their side of the border. Right, right. It's like, what? Exactly. What? Like, you can't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's talk politically. You can't say that every life is valuable 
and then justify separating children from their parents because they right. are they're illegal immigrants. That yeah, I'm you can't I'm do that. You can't right. You can't say and, you're pro life and, and against healthcare reform. Like, those two things like, are contradictory. You yeah, need they don't work. if you're going to be one, you need to be the other. Right. Um, uh, and there and there can be more nuance to it. You can say, I am pro benefit greatest benefit to society, in which case you could be for abortion and for healthcare for everybody. Right. Because now you're not saying I am for everybody's life. I am for the greatest. Goal. You're transcending right. the goal. Right. Yeah. So and, and most people never get to figuring out what that actual justification is in their logic. And well, yeah, it's it's very expensive to think that deeply about a multitude of topics. Like most people yeah. can pick a couple of topics like that and and maybe go down. Well, I wouldn't even say most. Some. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Some people yeah. can pick a few topics and go down the rabbit hole and really educate themselves and, and arrive at an informed opinion. But the, 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 like, it's so much hard. It's the theory of everything kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, like, it's, it's really easy to study quantum physics and study like theory of relativity and like Newtonian physics. And it's impossible as, as of right now to reconcile all of those. And it requires right, right. a lifetime of, of effort to try and make sense of them. And like, there's similar things going on with most people with most issues, I would say. Right. Like right. It, yeah. it, it's so much easier to kind of like, uh, well, I was, I've been told that this is bad. So that is bad. Like I, I like I'm, and I yeah. don't just, I just don't have the time or the energy or the effort to go into that, you know? Right. Right. And that's one of the things that's frustrating about like, so a lot of my job is like, I get paid to sit around and think of dope shit to say. <laughs> right. So like a lot of, a lot of my job is like reading and like listening to other intellectuals lecture, especially with YouTube. Like it's a golden era of just all the, you, like you can literally audit whole degrees by just mm -hmm. watching YouTube these days. And like podcasting and just all like you can just hear you can get so much information but most people i don't think have the opportunity to actually really do that well like they do they, most people well, do but they just don't choose to because it's it's difficult hard. and it's taxing it and it's hard because it's yeah. much easier to turn on the television in the evening and zone out when you're tired from a day of work than it is to well and that's kind of what i mean like right. I, I think there's a fine line between there, like, there's a fine line there choosing it's, versus like what your capacity is and yeah i would yeah. I, I i think i agree with the sentiment that the capacity of most people is well beyond what they actually consider themselves right i, I think yes. most people have way more capacity at least in the west way yes. more capacity than they actually think they do and they yeah quit, we i agree i agree we have a tendency to baby ourselves yeah i'm not going to work out today because i had a hard day at work when yeah. in actuality, that's probably the right thing to do because it's going to make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Working out today of all days will actually affect right. the thing yeah. that you are. You just want to sit in front of the TV and yeah. eat a bowl of ice cream. And but also, I'll, I'll that's say not going to make you feel better. Right. Me going to the kickboxing gym has mm -hmm. been like, and one of the worst things that could have happened to me is this because I was in a good rhythm and then quarantine happened. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> what a, I couldn't yeah. ask for a better excuse <laughs> yeah and and all of this well, comes from a standpoint quarantine hit and then i was like 
I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. And now I'm in the boxing gym like four times a week. <laughs> yeah. And to pull this all back around, all of this seems very judgmental on my side of it because I'm posing this as a people don't do this. People are like this, which presupposes this this perspective that and I'm not right. But yeah. no, I am too. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yesterday, oh, we're I didn't want to work out. I, I went, I've been swimming, my arms are tired, and I didn't want to go work out, so I didn't do it. So at the end of the day, when I could have gone and done it, I didn't, because I felt too tired, when in actuality, I probably would have felt better if I did. And, you know, this all comes back around to that little thing that's out here, that's looking at myself, going, eh, you made the wrong choice. Yeah, well, yeah, what are you, what are your, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you yeah, doing? Right. Like, yeah. you can rationalize it that everyone should make this decision because it's the right decision. And you can say on a podcast right now, people are dumb because they don't do the thing, like look up the YouTube video or go work out when they should in order to better themselves. And then you just failed at that yourself yesterday. You know, and I totally get that, which brings it back around to this idea of like the irony of it or the, you know, contradictions of it. Um, so all of those, because there's this inherent need to justify those things. And not justify as in explain away, justify as in orient them together so that they fit. Um, yeah, like I, making sense of the world. I, I need to make those things fit within myself, but yet there's constantly conflict in my inability to do that because I'm human, yeah. right? Uh, and so therefore I look at other people and I go, well, this isn't going to work out because nobody can do it. If I can't do it, you guys can't do it either. And then also I become the, very yeah, pe pessimistic at the same time. So th there's a, there's this weird thing called cognitive dissonance. Like the yeah. brain doesn't like those inherent contradictions. Right. And so it takes the, like the path of least resistance. Right. And like way Justifies easier. Them. Yeah. Way easier than going and working out and, and like, or, or looking at yourself and going, Hey, that wasn't the right choice. Way mm -hmm. easier is look at these fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> like, right. Like, right. Look, look at all yeah. these. Yeah, lazy assholes out here. Right, like, but I'm self-aware enough to know that that's happening. Well, and, and that's and that's a hard objective about it to yeah. like train like that. And oh, yeah. just like every other thing, like that is a muscle to train. Of like, no, no, no. I really, I really want to know the truth. I really want to be engaged in reality. I really want to understand what is actually happening, not just what I want to have happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, and just, I, I, most people just don't have that desire in them. Really, I find. And, and yeah. also I'll say like you, I'll like, and me too, on certain things too. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I have to actively stay on, I have to stay on top of that. You know, like again, biblical metaphor, sin is crouching at your door. It's desire is to devour you. You must master it. Right. Like, and now a lot of people take that as this, you know, sin is like behavioral control. I would say the great, the greatest sin is like, disconnecting from the truth and choosing deception over reality like like right. It, right it's a lot harder to look at the reality of things and like let reality shape you and shape mm -hmm. your beliefs and shape how you act towards yourself and towards your towards people around you you know like that's a much harder thing to do i agree all right so uh yeah. this has been fun guys i think i'm gonna yeah. go not work out and eat some ice cream yeah <laughs> Sounds uh, fun. Usually, usually end with a cheers. <laughs> do you have Do you have something cheers? you would like to cheers? Yeah, like I, you know, like, we're having to go first. Like just, a like a positive thing to bring up. A salute. To uh, salute. I mean, it's not always positive. Like sometimes I've uh, 
<laughs> cheers like sh- real shitty like against things you know like uh-huh. uh cheers to cognitive dissonance the to cognitive dissonance <laughs> uh here's to the uh the act of staying on top of and uh practicing self-awareness um i am gonna cheers to and we caught her off guard yeah Mm -hmm. i am gonna cheers to myself for putting myself first that's what i'm gonna cheers (laughs) and allowing myself to move into self-actualization we can't really clink glasses but all right tink tink okay (laughs) tink knock (laughs) I guess.